It's wonderful to be back. Thank you for all of you who helped lead us today. As we begin this Advent season, I hope that you have had a glorious week this last week. I hope that you've had a wonderful time of giving thanks. I hope that you were able to choose gratitude this past week. I hope that in choosing gratitude, you were able to have joy in your walk and that that joy of gratitude and thanksgiving spilled over from you to those around you. I hope it was a wonderful week. I know for me and my family, it was. Uh, We have developed a habit here. um, And that is the habit we developed is to head out of town uh, just for the days around Thanksgiving. Uh, When you work in the church, Advent is a pretty busy time of the year. Uh, Beth and I both obviously work here at Covenant, so we know that things are going to be busy in the weeks to come. Uh, Our two daughters are now in high school, and so they've got the end of semester and final exams coming up. It's going to be a busy few weeks for all of us. So we just enjoy getting away for a few days and having some quiet. We head down to the coast to a really quiet place between Galveston and Port Aransas. And I know that for people, you have very strong feelings here on like which one of those two uh, you go to and why and why the other one is not acceptable. Uh, And, you know, we just, you know, we're in the middle. We just sort of are close to both. And we love both and we support both. And uh, we're in one of the quiet parts of the beach where they don't allow cars which I didn't know was a thing to even wonder about before I came to Texas. Uh, No one else that I know of exists this way, where it's like, do we have to look both ways before walking onto the beach uh, or not? We went to one of the quiet places where there are no cars on the beach. And and we've seen the whole like kind of gamut of kind of our family doing this through the years. When we started, our girls were really young. And and those of you who, who have young children, you know that that just means like a ton of energy very, very early in the morning. Uh, and so it was, you know, we were that family at like 7.15 that's like walking down to the beach and the kids are excited and we're going. And now that they're in high school, we're trying to bribe them to get up for brunch, right? And it's like, you know, can, could we, could, we'll pay for it. We'll take you somewhere nice. You can, like, will you just come with us? And, um, and yet it was, it was for us, and I hope for you, it was a particularly wonderful year. It was a great time. Um, and I hope it was able to be a time where you were able to engage in traditions or maybe to make new ones. And now we come to Advent. We come to the beginning of the liturgical year. We come to what we talked about last week, the beginning of a year-long journey that we will be taking as a congregation of living the liturgical year. The liturgical year begins in Advent. It's a time where we will allow the lectionary texts to guide us as we go through the year, and we will let the, uh, the church calendar um, lead and mold us as we go forward. And that journey begins today. Now, as I shared last week, on this year of living the liturgical calendar, one of the things that we're going to experience, and one of the things that's good, it's good, it's really, really, really good, and I'm going to keep convincing myself of that, is that because the lectionary is guiding our text for each and every Sunday, we at times, like today, are going to have scripture passages that we might not naturally have chosen on our own, and that's a good thing. It's a good, good thing for us. Last week, we got to preach from the book of Revelation. 
I don't get to do that very often. We got to kind of do that, and that worked. And today, literally, as I looked up the lectionary text for today, I thought I was doing it wrong. I thought I had the wrong online link. I thought there was a misprint. I thought the lectionary text may be incorrect because this is the start of Advent, and we've lit the candle of hope. Hope! And if there's a book in the Bible that at first glance feels far away from hope, Jeremiah would be the person that you might look to. Jeremiah is not holly or jolly. Jeremiah isn't like just getting you in the Christmas spirit uh, a little bit more. Jeremiah, he's not like John got to read from Isaiah, right? At least when we're going to the prophets, I, I mean, we ignore 98% of Isaiah, but we got these verses that, you know, that we read at Advent. We're like, oh, it's poetic and it feels great and Christmassy. Jeremiah is like a battering ram. Uh, Jeremiah is one of the longest books of the Bible. Jeremiah comes at a time in the nation of Israel where things are really painful, really difficult. Uh, and, and, and Jeremiah doesn't try to sugarcoat it at all. Chapter after chapter, chapter Jeremiah is going, this is what's broken. This is what's wrong. This is what you're a part of. This is how you need to change. This is how you need to repent. And after like seven chapters of that, you're like, I get it. I get it. It's bad. Like, and we, we've got to repent. We've got to move in a new direction. And so as we're talking about hope, I thought it was a misprint. I shared with my wife, I was like, you know, she said, what, what's the lectionary text? I said, Jeremiah. She goes, are you sure? I didn't even ask like which chapter. I was like, really? Like for hope. And while it may not feel as Christmassy, I think if we journey into this passage of Jeremiah, keeping hope in mind, I think while it might feel different, there is something unbelievably profound here about what it means to be people of hope at this time and at this part of our story. So I'm going to read the text from Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. I invite you to listen to God's word to us today. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety and this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, to God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that no matter who we are or how we walk in here, we would hear your gospel today, your good news, and it would fill us all to hope. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So again, this might not be the book of the Bible we would naturally gravitate to if we had to pick one out and say the theme is hope. What book do you want to talk about? Which book do you want to read from? Which book do you want to preach from? But I believe that what Jeremiah is doing here, and I want us to think about this for a second, is that Jeremiah is offering to us today a countercultural and almost counterintuitive path to hope. I think there's a way at this time of year that we naturally think about how we become hopeful. And that path that we naturally think about, kind of our default, is not a bad path at all. And I want you to hear that from the beginning. 
This might be a path that works for you. This might be a path that works for you this year. I think what Jeremiah is doing here is just saying it's not the only path to hope. And Jeremiah offers us a different path. Now, what I mean by our default uh, path to hope is I think that we sort of tie in hope at this time of year, particularly with a sense of kind of positivity, right? It's like, I'm going to be hopeful. Like, this is the most wonderful time of the year. I was just singing about it on the radio. This is what we're going to be. It's going to be the most wonderful time of the year. I have hope for that. And I want to focus on the hope. I want to focus on the good things. I want to focus on the good things going on in my life. I want to focus on kind of the magic and the meaning of Christmas. I want to focus on, 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 the, on that kind of positivity. And I don't want to kind of be filled with the negative stuff right now. Yes, we're going to gather for the holidays. And yes, that's going to bring some very interesting family dynamics together. But let's not think about it. Let's just think about the hope of how it's going to go and the goodness of being together. We're going to have, we're going to be positive. That's what kind of we think of hope or, or we've got this new COVID variant that's coming out. I don't know if you've heard anything about it. It's been in the news a little bit lately, right? And like, what is this going to mean? And what's it? And, and that's important. But I heard, and I, I mean, I read one commentary that just said, oh, it's like a gut punch as we go through the pandemic, which it may feel like. It may be a gut punch as we've walked through the pandemic. But this person said, but I especially don't need another pandemic gut punch at Christmas. It's Christmas. That's what I mean. There's sort of this like, let's focus on the positive. I know the world's not perfect, but let's not focus on that right now. Let's be positive. Let's be hopeful. Let's choose that. Let's be Christmassy. And again, if that is a path that you're sitting there going, that sounds great. That is okay. That is, I don't think there's anything that you need to dismantle or take a part in that or think is wrong or think is bad or feel guilty. I think what Jeremiah is doing, though, is opening up other paths of how we get to hope. Because for some of us, that path may not work as naturally as for some other people. There are some times when our lives can be hard. There are some times when our lives can be painful. There are some times when our world can be hard, where gut punches happen. And for some of us, if the only path to being hopeful is I just focus on the positive, that doesn't feel real. It can feel like you are acting. It feels inauthentic. It almost feels deceptive in a way. And I think what we see here with Jeremiah is Jeremiah is going, there's another path for getting there. And the path Jeremiah offers is not one of saying, just be positive, just be hopeful, just be positive, just be hopeful, just focus on these things. But the path that Jeremiah offers is one where you name the difficulty, you name the brokenness, you name the pain in life, and you look at it square in the eye. Jeremiah's path towards hope, as you see here, is not a place where he says, let's not focus on the bad for a few verses, let's just be happy and positive and hopeful. Jeremiah says, no, we're going to name what's broken. We're going to name that there is injustice in the world. And it's not that we're going to avoid that at this time of year. We're going to move towards it, and we're going to see it, and we're going to look at it. It's not that there's not things that, are, that are, don't need healing. There is healing that's necessary in the world right now. There is healing in our lives. There is healing in our relationships. There is healing that needs to take place in our world. And Jeremiah's invitation to hope is to move at that healing that needs to take place, to name it, to see it. To look at the difficulty of what is not right in the world that he says that God needs to fix, to make right, to bring righteousness about. Jeremiah's invitation is to move towards those things, to name them. And in naming them and seeing them, Jeremiah says that if we look at them as people of faith, what we can look at them and say is, you don't need to have the, you will not have 
the last word in my story. You will not have the last word in what takes place in creation. That I can look at you and see that the monsters under the bed aren't nearly as bad sometimes when you look at them as when you kind of remove yourself from them and hide. He says that as people of faith, one thing is not to just be positive and avoid the hard things. One path is to go look at it, name it, see it. But see it for what it is. And if you do that in faith, you can have hope. I think that this can be uh, an important path that we take. I think that this can be something that you and I can journey on and consider together because it's a kind of hope that you can cultivate, that you can build in your life. Jeremiah's hope is found in a person. He reads, it, as we read these verses, what we see is he says that this hope isn't that God's going to magically make things, the hard things go away, but he says that one is coming. Jeremiah is looking forward and saying that our hope is found in a person. He's prophesying and looking forward about the coming of the Messiah and says one is coming who is not going to avoid the bad things and just be positive, that the Messiah is one who's going to take on the brokenness, take on pain, take on death, take on injustice, take on what is broken, and is going to transform it and redeem it. And so Jeremiah says that our hope is in one who will come, one who will be in the lineage of David, and that when that one comes, he will set all things right. Now, you and I can uh, cultivate this kind of hope. Jeremiah is saying that the way people cultivated at the time was to look forward, saying one will come who will transform this. You and I can cultivate this sort of hope in a different way because we have a little bit of a different perspective on the Messiah, don't we? We know that the one Jeremiah prophesied about in the lineage of David came into the world hundreds of years after Jeremiah's prophecy. We know that Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth is the Messiah, is the Savior, is the Christ. And we can see that Jeremiah's prophecy was true. That he encountered all the things that Jeremiah says is difficult and broken with the world. And he overturns it. He overturns death even. Even death on a cross. How you and I cultivate hope today, the path that Jeremiah offers is not, is not positivity, but what Jeremiah says is that you and I um, cultivate it not by just looking forward like Jeremiah, but that you and I have to realize we live at kind of an in-between time. A time where Jesus has come, and at Advent we particularly pay attention to we are waiting for his return. As one theologian calls it, and you might have heard this before, we live in a time of the already but not yet. It's a great term. And it's a great way to think about how we cultivate hope in the path Jeremiah offers us. We live in the already, but not yet. I want you to say that after me, because it's a great phrase. I want you to have it in your tongue this week as we go. The already, but not yet. I like that the choir, thank you guys for like leading that. They were like, no, he's being serious. If you've never been here before, they're like, does he really want us to? No, no, we, yeah, let's do it again. But it's not just the choir. We're all going to do it together. Journey, everybody. Ready? The already, but not yet. See, now you're jumping the gun. I want you to repeat after me. God, focus here, people. Focus. Everybody in the live stream right now is like, what is happening at this moment, right? Repeat after me. The already, but not yet. Isn't that a great phrase? Isn't that a great phrase? And the way we cultivate hope is to realize we live in the already but not yet. 
The way that we cultivate hope is to realize that, yes, we have already seen God come into the world. We have seen him take on the forces of injustice and death and pain. But we are waiting the day when he will come back and make that universal in creation. To bring about a day when there will be no more pain, no more death, no more tears, no more injustice, no more things that need to be made right. That God, on a cosmic level, for all creation, will make those things right. We've already seen evidence of that in his own life and in the world in glimpses. What's not yet is realizing when it will be that way for all people in all time. We live in an in-between time. We live in the already, but not yet. And it is living in that in-between time and seeing this intersection of the already and not yet. Another way to think of it is memory and hope. You want to have hope, you need to have a good memory. You need to remember what's already been done. One of Jeremiah's chief accusations against the people is that we are a forgetful people. We have bad memories. If you're going through a hard time, if you're going through a difficult time, one of the ways you find hope is to have a good memory. It's to say, how has God already been at work in my life? This is not the first time I've faced pain. This is not the first time I've faced doubt. This is not the first time I've faced questions. Let me remember those times so that when I see what I face today, I'll remember the one who I face it with. It gives me hope that God's not brought me this far just to let me go now. You see that? Memory and hope, the already but not yet. I saw this at play this week in a really wonderful way. It was very powerful and meaningful to me. And we were, as I said, we were uh, at the coast and we had gotten the kids up and we had gone to Galveston. I know, I know the poor day, I know the thing. Like we just went to Galveston for a day uh, and we kind of walked around there and we had lunch and we were walking uh, kind of the old part of Galveston on the Strand and we were just going in different shops and it was just a lot of fun, it was a wonderful day. But we went into this one shop, and while we were there walking through it, um, and it looked like a shop like any other, seemed like a shop like any other, but as we walked through there, there was this section of the store that the shelves stopped, and their wall was exposed instead of there being a shelf with just items to buy. And the uh, wall that was exposed, it turned out, was a prayer wall. There's nothing on the, the store that made you think it was any kind of a different sort of store. And there was no one there like making you come over. It was just kind of this space that you could enter into just in the middle of the shop. It was completely unexpected. And the way that the prayer wall worked was they took like hooks that you would hang your coat on, on, on a wall or on the back of a door. And they put about 30 of them up in, in columns just on this wall. And then there was a table underneath the hooks. And where it was was a, a Bible and different passages that you could turn the Bible and look at and maybe write your own favorite passages down in sort of a journal. But then there were these slips of paper. And on each slip of paper, there had been a hole punch put in it and string tied. And what it was an invitation to do was for people to come up and to take a pen and to write a prayer request on the piece of paper and then tie it to one of the hooks. And it turned out that hundreds and hundreds of people had done it. Every one of these hooks had five, six, seven prayer requests that had been tied by different people to these hooks. And they were there for others to come and to, to read and to pray for yourself and to then add your prayer uh, as we did to this prayer wall. And I don't know if it was because of the anonymity of it. I don't know what it was, but people had taken this seriously. And when you think about what was not yet done in people's lives, that was real on these prayer cards. There was pain poured out on these prayer cards. There were people there who asked for prayers and asked for God's comfort because they had lost a child. There were people there who had asked for pain and asked for God's comfort because in this economy they couldn't find work and were struggling to pay the bills. 
There were people who asked for prayers in God's comfort and God's direction because in the midst of the pandemic, their marriage had grown steadily and steadily harder. And they were asking, wondering if they were at the end of their journey as a couple. There were people who were asking and seeking God's healing for a loved one who was struggling with addiction in certain ways. These were very real prayers that were lifted up. What was not yet done in creation being made whole was evident on those prayer cards. And the pain and the longing and the desire was evident. But as you read through the cards, there were other prayers there too. Prayers of praise. Prayers of people who had been praying for a child and a few weeks ago had just adopted and their family was in a new season, a wondrous new season of life. Prayers for people who had asked that God would bring sobriety into the life of a loved one who had just experienced a year of sobriety and transformation in their journey together as a family. Prayers of people who had found comfort and faith in believing that their grief could be answered because their loved one's life had been swallowed up by greater life and it had given them hope in the midst of grief. People who had experienced marriages being revitalized and rekindled in the midst of the times that we are walking in and giving praise and thanks to God for new seasons in the journey. The evidence of what had already happened was evident in these cards as well. And I found myself as I was there hoping that the people who had written up the prayers of not yet the prayers of longing, the prayers of pain. I hope that they had read through the prayers of already. Because every one of those prayers of already had started out as a prayer of not yet. Every one of those answered prayers had started out in a place of pain and loss and desperation. Every one of those praises had come from a place of need. And in the midst of that need, they had seen God work and act and move. There was a chorus of prayers of the already for every prayer of the not yet. And as I read that, and I will tell you that the last 20 months, like maybe many of you in my spiritual journey has not been the easiest as we've gone through the pandemic. I was filled with hope. I was filled with hope at the prayers that I offered in that place. I was filled with hope as I considered the not yet and what I was lifting before the Lord. Because saints around the world had written these cards of already. And I remember that in all of my prayers of not yet, that I too have my stories of the prayers of already. And that God has been good. And God has been gracious. And God has been faithful. And I remember the one with whom we walk into whatever lies ahead. And that is a different pathway to hope. It's not better, but it's different. And for some of you this year, for that candle of hope to burn bright in your life, that may be the path that you need to take. That may be the path we need to take. We need to develop really good memories We need to become really clear as we go through, even today in the coming days, what are your prayers of already where you have seen God at work? Don't be forgetful, as Jeremiah reminds us, but remember at this time what God has done in our journey all along. And as we remember the prayers and thanksgivings of already, we can then face the not yet. And we can do so with hope. 
Maybe it's a gritty, scar-filled hope. But it's hope. Because we remember the one who has brought us this far. And that that one will bring us all safely home. And that's hope. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray this day that you would be with us, that you would walk with us, that as we live in this in-between time, this time of the already and not yet, that we would be people of hope. Maybe it's a path that we can take uh, in ways that we've done in years past, and if that's a path to hope, I pray we'll do it, but I pray that also our vision of hope would be expanded, and that for some of us, we would find hope by having really good memories of what you have already done. And then we can look at the brokenness and the injustice and the healing that needs to take place in our lives and in the world around us. And we can look it in the eye with hope because we look at it with you. And as you have overcome it all, so shall we. May your hope burn within us this day. And may it overflow from us to this world you love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.